0: call to worship this morning is from Exodus chapter 14 verses 10 through 14 you can find it in your pew Bible on page 65 I'll be reading from today's new international version as Pharaoh approached the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them they were terrified and cried out to the Lord they said Moses Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Amen.
1: If you're using the Pew Bible, this passage is found on page 1041. I will be reading verses one through eight from the King James Version. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life,
2: The Gospel reading this morning is from John, first chapter, verses 29 uh, through 34. And it's found on page 978 in the Pew Bible. And I'm reading from the New Standard Revised Version. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God.
3: Amen. My holiday this morning... Is another one of God's promises. God promises to save. Now, like all the other promises that we've explored, this has a context. I'm not referring to the misattributed quote, the Lord helps those who help themselves. That is not the scriptures. That is American pragmatism. (laughs) And there's something to American pragmatism, but it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have this context, and the context is faith. It's belief. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever what? Believeth. Believeth. in the King James as I memorized it. Believes in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not a blanket promise. It says whosoever believes. The miracle of this promise is that we have this other prayer that we get to pray. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Even in the midst of our struggles to find faith, even in the midst of our doubts, even in the midst of our difficulties, our stresses, Evidences to the contrary, we have a God who not only promises to save us if we can but find faith. Jesus describes the faith that's sufficient as a grain of mustard seed or less. For if we had the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, we should be able to move a mountain. And so God not only says, if you can just find some belief, And if you can't, I'll provide it. Makes him thoroughly and completely the Savior, does it not? Our partnership is an assent. It's a plea. It's a recognition that we ourselves, in our mortality, in our struggles, may not be able to find in a moment the faith. There are other models, biblically, of what this looks like. Abram, Moses. These people did, they acted. We read in scripture
0: that Noah
3: built an ark. He did what the Lord commanded and it was attributed to him as what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Abraham journeyed from the comforts of Ur the Chaldees to a place that he knew not, chose the life of a nomad, and God said, that is attributable as faith because of your act of doing. I'm going to call it what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Sometimes we don't know if we believe or don't believe. We just have to put one foot in front of the other. We have to begin a journey that speaks to the faith that will come. We have to tell the world that as ludicrous as it is, we're going to build a boat. I highly recommend Evan Almighty, by the way. (laughs) Highly. Uh, Modern day Noah there. And yes, there is a bit of uh, fun had with the story, but I think you can appreciate very visually Noah's problem as he goes to build an ark. So this, this promise for God to save has a context and we have a role to play. So like all other promises, I don't want it distorted I don't want us walking out of here saying, well, because he said it, it's just going to happen. I want us to embrace it, to accept it, to make that faith real by taking that step because we read also in scripture, New Testament this time, in a very overused passage, faith without what is dead. But what kind of works are we talking about? Not a works of righteousness of your own. We're talking about the journey of Abraham who decides to go at God's call and puts one foot in front of the other. We're talking about Noah who wakes up and says, You know what, I don't feel like building an ark today. And Mrs. Noah kicks him in the pants and says, Well, you can't stay in bed either. Big boy, get gone. <laughs> it's the way it works. And so the ark gets built. And so there are those saved. Our texts today draw from some very interesting and important different pieces that I hope will come together in my title, Through the Waters. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10. read to us from Exodus 14 and I think we all have some idea hopefully of what that was about and where that comes from. That is the story of the Exodus in the portion in which all of the plagues have happened, everything that was to happen between Moses and Pharaoh and all of that in Egypt has taken place. The multitude has gathered, Passover has taken place and Israel is marching through the Sinai and instead of going a logical path around God leads them to a place where they're trapped in the one side by desert and on the other side by sea. And when the Egyptians hear of it, they are opportunists to the hilt and decide that they will come reclaim the servants they have lost and recapture the economy that's been ruined. And so Pharaoh musters 600 of his best chariots and horsemen and all the other chariots and horsemen as well and foot soldiers and whatnot, and they moved through the Sinai up upon Israel. Paul makes this observation in 1 Corinthians 10, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. That's an interesting passage. Paul's taking this opportunity to speak of this journey, this deliverance, which is a kind of saving, isn't it? from slavery and bondage to a place that God would give them that was flowing with milk and honey, this promised land, this heaven, if you will. And in the process of getting there, they fell under a cloud. They were all under a cloud, the cloud of God's protective presence. We read in the story in Exodus that as they were there and the Egyptians approached, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night moved between the camp of Israel and the Egyptians. It was after that that Moses raises his hand and rod. The sea parts, the winds blow overnight to dry the ground and Israel passes across only to get to the other side and have the Egyptians in hot pursuit but not able to catch them because of God's cloud covering his pillar of fire. They were baptized, excuse me, they were all under the cloud and that they passed through the sea, they passed through the waters. This was their baptizing, Paul says. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. It's the same manna from heaven. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more, we just sang. And they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. Moses, as you recall, spoke to the rock on one occasion, was supposed to, and tapped the rock on another, and water flowed forth in the desert. And the rock that Paul makes the analogy to is Christ. The spiritual rock. And so this baptism into Moses becomes a kind of spiritual sharing in the baptism into Christ. You have a Savior in Moses, and you have a Savior in Jesus. You have a journey from slavery to freedom in Moses, and you have a journey from slavery to sin and death to freedom in Christ in Jesus. You have a God who's promised to save. In our gospel reading today, in John, Jesus is recognized by the words of others. Particularly John, who saw him and said, look, the Lamb of God The lamb fits into our Exodus story too, doesn't it? The Passover lamb was to be slain. Its blood put on the doorposts and lintels so that the angel of death might pass over. The carcass was to be prepared in a kosher way. The fat offered to God as an offering. And the lamb was to be eaten. Standing ready for the journey. And John sees Jesus and makes the leap, makes the analogy, here is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one whom I met when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Co-eternal with the Father. I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. For when we're baptized for the remission of sin, we're baptized under the Passover lamb who delivers us and cleanses us from sin. We participate as Paul will note in his death that we might participate also in his resurrection. We enter the symbolic grave of the waters of baptism that we might be born again of the life, the resurrection life of Christ. We experience in these waters, the amniotic waters of our second and spiritual birth. And in all of these stories and in all of these acts, it isn't the water that saves It's the rock from which the water flows. It isn't the bread that sustains, it's the bread of heaven. For man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In these stories, it isn't the declaration of faith and the dismissal of the same that matters. It is picking up your foot and taking one step after another and committing to that journey. That's what Abram did and it was attributed to him as righteousness. And if God says that, that's good enough for me. I should be so lucky. And Greg picked up his feet and went from one place to the other and God attributed to him his righteousness. Could you handle that? That sounds pretty good to me. Maybe as the story goes with Enoch, one day I'll be closer to God's house than my own. And all of this will be done. But today I extend to you an invitation to this journey. I commend to our baptismal candidates this journey. I assure all of you, that God does save. He delivers us. He leads us out. He calls us to this journey. But you've got to take the steps. May the Lord give us strength and grace to do so. Amen. Amen. now may the Lord Jesus Christ be with us and bless us from now into eternity because he loves us. Amen.